0: Specialist to find out if it's right for you.
1: In September 2020, I had a chilling encounter that still haunts my memory to this day. I was on my way to work, driving along US 10 near Reed City, Michigan. It was a typical morning, and I was lost in thought, sipping my coffee, and listening to the radio. Little did I know that this ordinary commute would lead to a brush with the extraordinary. As I cruised down the highway, something caught my eye in the rearview mirror. At first, I thought it was a trick of the light, but when I glanced back again, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. A massive, seven-foot-tall creature, weighing at least 375 pounds, sprinted across the road behind me. It moved with an uncanny speed and agility for its size. My heart pounded in my chest as I strained to catch another glimpse of the creature. It was covered in dark, matted fur, and its form was unlike anything I had ever seen. This was no bear or any known animal that should be roaming the woods of Michigan. I watched in disbelief as it vanished into the dense forest on the other side of the road. I was left in a state of shock my mind racing to comprehend what I had just witnessed. I had always been a skeptical person when it came to tales of cryptids and creatures of the unknown, but this encounter had shaken me to my core. I never saw it, but in 1975, I was newly married, about 21 years old, and had a small baby. My sister, who was a teenager, was visiting us. My husband, my sister, and I had all gone to our bedrooms, to settle down and go to sleep. I would say it was around 11 or 12, at night. We were just starting to relax and get sleepy, when out of nowhere, there was this horrible, loud howl or yell. I mean, it was so loud, it made my chest vibrate and my ears hurt. The sound was not human, but had a guttural human-like sound, mixed with what sounded like a wolf. We were living in a mobile home at the time and it howled just outside our back door, in the hallway, near our bedroom. We jumped out of bed, looked at each other, and both said at the same time, what the hell was that? My husband was 10 years older than I was and was an avid hunter. He wasn't the kind of guy to scare easily. His face drained of color. My sister came running down the hallway, white as a ghost, and said, what was that? I told her I didn't know. My husband said he was getting his rifle and grabbed it out of the closet. He opened up the back door and yelled out into the wind, you better get the S out of here, or I will blow your head off. He listened a moment before I yelled at him to please shut the door. He did and we never heard any more after that. Needless to say, we stayed up all night, afraid to go to sleep. I have never forgotten that howl. There is no way it was a dog or coyotes, I have heard both howl. It wasn't a guy joking around, either. It was so loud, there is no way a human could have made that sound. I love your show and I'm glad to hear I'm not the only one who has heard something like this. My name's Katie, I'm 19 years old and I recently joined a ranger team in Sutton Park, England. It's a peaceful and family-friendly park. The pathways are short and sometimes overgrown with lush plant life. The larger ones are big concrete which during the right time of day have many people there. When I was enlisted I spent the entire day following the track to our cabin which contained four jeeps outside all four seaters with the flag of the Union Jack outside. The door had a small amount of mold on alongside the rest of the cabin. Despite the mold it was habitable enough for me. I opened the door as it left an ear bleeding creek. When I stepped inside there were two rangers sitting down on table both sharing a bottle of Jack Daniels. When I walk over I ask if this is the right cabin in the recruitment papers and they reply with we're the only cabin, so yes. I then question if there's anyone else as I saw there were more beds on the other side of the room than just two. They reply with yeah, John? Will, Casey, Ruth, and Josh. I walk over to a vacant bunk and lay my duffel bag next to it. I searched around the cabin to find the female lockers. I'd take out my enlistment paper and enter the code to the locker. Inside there was a full ranger's uniform and hygiene essentials. I'd return to the main room with my uniform on noticing that my uniform was a lot more cleaned and not as scruffy as the other two on the table. I'd walk around inspecting the cabin as I'd ask simple questions like their names they'd both answer with Ellis and Harry. I'd eventually got bored and lay on my bed taking out a few spare books I had, I'd read through them until it was about 17. Later that evening Casey, Will, Ruth and Josh return with scruffy and muddy clothes. Harry shouts you're finally back. Ellis then asks where's John then? Casey replied with he took another path on the trail. The others would then spot me in the corner on my bed, reading my book. We'd have a small conversation before Casey invited everyone to the main table for our food. Later that night we'd all be anxious and suspicious on where John was as it was now around 2150. We'd all eventually fall asleep around 2230 or at least I did. I wake up to a faint tapping at the window and light scratching I dismissed it and assumed it was a bush or something. But then I realized that when I was inspecting we don't have any bushes or trees around the cabin, or at least the only ones are at least 20 feet away. It'd sit up properly trying to make out a figure at the window. Until a loud slam against the window struck, a hand pressed against the window leaving a blood mark. I screamed and jumped up to look outside properly only to see someone in a dirty and blood ranger's uniform with scratches all over it. I looked at their face to see their eyes removed, hair scruffy and their nose bleeding. My scream lead all the other to jump out their bunks and run to me. They all question what? I turn around saying look. As I'd continue to scream. When they looked outside, it was empty. I couldn't sleep that night and laid in the living area on the sofa with a cup of coffee to keep me awake. We all dismissed the situation as I just assumed it was a dream with me sleepwalking or possible sleep paralysis. Nothing really happened again until the morning. We receive a call of an injured animal at about 12.30 pm to which we all rushed to. We'd find a small deer almost bled to death with scratch marks all over it. When we inspect the marks they resembled a the humans but the cut was deep into the animal either meaning this person had extremely long nails or something abnormal. We managed to save the deer but we had to call a vets to take it away just in case. We then dismissed the situation as it was kinda normal for animals to be injured but this was a full grown deer, the only predators that we know of are foxes and they would never cause this kind of damage. Ever since that night I've questioned whether it was real or not. But the deer's wound just prolongs to my theory of that man outside my window. I'll never forget it, never. I still work at my ranger job as it pays good and is relaxing to work around nature. John was reported missing and we never saw him again until around a year later from that situation as a police report came through about a ranger's body identified in a large overgrown area. We quickly reported to the police that had to have been John missing from earlier. When they asked us to inspect his remains we faintly agreed just to inspect who the body was when we looked at it. The other rangers agreed it was him and then when I saw his face I remember from that night. His eyes still gouged out scratches all over and blood covering him. I knew it was real but what I didn't know was what happened and nobody did, no evidence of weapons that could cause his wounds but instead human scratch marks, deep into his skin just like the deer we found. I'll never forget any of this. I considered quitting my job but like I said, good pay and nice working with nature. Me and William actually began a relationship with me, which we soon fell in love and still are. It was back in February 2007 in rural Indiana. I worked overnight shifts at a warehouse. We had been let off work a little early, and I was following a co-worker down the road when I noticed he swerved off to the right side of the road, then swerved back onto the road and continued driving. I assumed maybe he wasn't paying attention or something ran out in front of him, but as I got closer, I saw a very tall, black shape walking in the middle of the roadway. I, too, had to swerve, but I essentially came to a full stop as the thing walked next to my driver's window. I never saw a head on it, and I didn't even see any arms. It looked like a large person wrapped up in a black blanket or cloak. The movements when I first saw it in the headlights were not like any sort of person or animal that I've recognized. I relate it to flapping in the wind like those inflatable wacky arm men you see in front of stores or car dealerships sometimes. It took a step and flailed its torso around, then another step and more flapping. Very unnatural movements. When it walked by the vehicle, it was considerably taller than my Explorer. It was leaning forward like a person who used a walker but even leaning, it was still a foot or so taller. My explorer was 67 inches according to Google, so this would have made it almost 7 tall while leaning forward. It had two very thick legs and a very thick torso, but I didn't see any hair, any clothing, nothing but solid black or dark brown. I couldn't make out any details other than that. When the red tail lights lit it up as it was behind the vehicle, I could see between both legs, but the legs were solid, not translucent, as they blocked out the lights, so they had to have been solid. Anyways, I drove down the road and saw my coworker had pulled off into a gravel parking lot. I pulled up next to him, and he asked if I saw it and how it didn't have a head. I said I was going back to look for whatever it is because obviously, it's something strange. We ended up heading back the way we came, and I was in front. As we got back to the same general area, I saw a large black dog lying in the middle of the road. Now, for a dog, it was a lot bigger than any normal dog I've seen. But it was just lying in the road and looked like it was dead. So the first thing I assumed was that's what was walking in the road. Maybe it got hit by a car and was flopping around. It looked like a large black German Shepherd type dog, but it had really thick, puffy fur like a chow dog. I got out to see what it was, and the dog raised its head up and looked back at me, growling with a low grumble. Its eyes reflected the headlights, so they looked like they were glowing yellowish. I stopped about 15 feet away from this dog, and it started trying to stand up, but it sort of hobbled a bit, then stood up directly on its hind legs and looked at me. It was standing up like a person, not how a normal dog would appear to be standing up, but how a person normally would. It had to have been around 6 foot tall. I'm 6 foot 3 inches, and it was almost my height, I would guess. It stood there for just a second or two and then got down on all fours and ran off the road into the trees, but I never actually saw it using its front legs. It had ears on top of its head, a normal dog looking face. It didn't have stereotypical hands like werewolves or other dogmen depictions. It had all the features of just being a very tall black dog that could stand up on its hind legs. It wasn't a bear, I can tell the difference. Bears also don't have pointed dog ears. We also don't have bears in Indiana, supposedly, but we also don't have upright walking canines, so. The area it Ran to is a deer preserve, and it has about an 8- or 9-foot fence that goes around the whole area. I don't know where it went, but it disappeared once it got out of the headlights. By this point, my coworker got out of his car, and I walked back toward him. We were both wondering what was going on. I happened to glance down, and standing between us was a normal-looking field mouse. It was also on its hind legs and using its front legs to clean itself. It looked all wet and it hadn't been raining or snowing outside, so I wasn't sure how it was wet other than cleaning itself. I tried to nudge it with my shoe, but it didn't care, it just stayed there, wiping itself. We left, I got home, and looked up weird walking dogs. I drew a picture and posted it on a forum, and someone said I must've come across a Michigan dog man. I had never heard of that before. I knew about werewolves and stuff from movies but I'd never heard of dog man. I went back to work a few nights later and tried to tell my coworker about what I found, and the rest of the guys started laughing at me. So he got pissed off and basically threatened me to shut up about it, or he would just deny it happened. So I stopped talking about it and never really told anyone else for almost 15 years. I told my wife and a couple of close friends, but I don't even think they really believe it, and I struggle to believe it myself. Logical reasoning would say it was a hurt dog, it was playing with this mouse and got hit by a car, broke its front legs, and was hobbling around because it couldn't use them. That's why the mouse was wet and traumatized because the dog was messing with it. I can explain everything else away except that first thing walking in the road was so much bigger than the dog. I can accept everything else but that. This is why I started my podcast. I never felt like I could share my experience without people saying I'm insane. If someone told me it happened to them, I would also think the same thing. It's hard for someone who doesn't believe in this sort of stuff to have to question their own perception of reality. The book I wrote was heavily influenced by that night in my own life to an extent because this is something that's haunted me for a while. Now some may think, oh, he wrote a book, so it's clearly false and I wouldn't blame anyone for thinking that. I wrote my experience into a fictionalized book, but that doesn't mean it didn't happen. It's my own way of continuing to deal with the situation, is how I feel. At the end of the day, I don't know what we saw. I don't necessarily believe in dog man, but I also don't know what to believe just because I saw something unexplainable. It would be so much easier to dismiss it and say it's all fake, and I wish it was, honestly. Lutz had drawn this picture for his friend Harold Underhill. This is a depiction of the creature that Lutz encountered during an early morning fishing trip on June 22, 1963, at the south end of Dewey Lake. I was out there to catch some perch, and the pre-dawn darkness enveloped the area. As I focused on my fishing, I noticed a large triangular shape bobbing on the surface of the remote section of the lake. Curiosity got the best of me, and I approached it, initially thinking it might be the head of a giant snapping turtle. However, as the sun started to illuminate the water, I could see more clearly. To my astonishment, the triangular shape was actually a large log with shaggy red markings. I couldn't fathom how a cedar tree had ended up in the water. With my oar, I tried to roll the log over, but when I made contact with it, the log suddenly stood up in the water, revealing a massive animal. This creature stood at approximately 10 feet tall, emitting an increasingly loud clucking sound that grew so piercing it became painful. The animal fixed its gaze on me before slipping back under the water and disappearing, moving away like a crocodile. I had no idea what I had just witnessed, only that it was something far from home, something that didn't belong in Dewey Lake. When I shared this story with my friend Harold Underhill, He couldn't help but laugh and accused me of being drunk. Nevertheless, I sketched out the picture for him and held firm to the validity of my account until my passing in the early 80s. In another strange encounter, during a hot and muggy evening in late July of 1963, my friends Alan Razak and Bob Ford decided to brave the thick weeds and mud to carry their canoe to the water's edge. I remember thinking we might get stuck in the mud with the canoe on our heads, but we had heard the fishing was exceptional. Little did we know what we were in for. The mud was even worse than we'd heard. A thick, black, deep muck, according to Bob Ford. Despite the muddy ordeal, we believed it would be worth it as the lake wasn't heavily fished. Covered in mud and exhaustion, we finally managed to get the canoe into the water. It was pitch black beneath the surface and we couldn't see a thing. Even our flashlights couldn't pierce the darkness. Suddenly, the water splashed around us. We sat there, straining our senses to make sense of the situation. The boat started rocking, and then came another splash, larger and louder. Next, we heard a strange sucking sound followed by a roaring noise, like that of an angry animal. We sat there in stunned silence, trying to comprehend what was happening. Then we heard something breathing sounding like a bull. We could vaguely make out a large, black shape in the water. Terrified, we started paddling furiously. Alan and I managed to get the canoe out of the water and rushed back to the safety of the weeds. When we got to Moore's truck, we loaded the canoe hastily, failing to secure it properly. Not even a mile down the road, we had to pull over to fix the canoe, which had come loose and smashed on the road. That's when Jim Casey, who had driven up on us, expressed his bewilderment. He said, it was weird because I just saw this mess in the road. Then I talked to them, and it was a weird thing, a couple of tough old birds talking about this thing in Mud Lake. It did make me think twice every time I drove by Mud Lake. Years later, I confided in my daughter, admitting that the incident on Mud Lake had been the strangest thing that ever happened to me. I told her to stay away from those lakes because something lives in them. Background. We're at an Airbnb in Washington State, not far from Mount Rainier National Park. Our Airbnb host was outside on her horse pasture feeding her horse. We all went outside to greet her and thank her for accommodating us. She lived across the street. So she offered to show us her other property with more horses and a few other farm animals. We pass her house and are now in her backyard. Our host, let's call her Michelle, gets us in a circle and whispers, so, do you guys want to go back home with a story? Intrigued, we say yes. And we had no idea what we were in for. She takes us past one of her two barns and we walk into her wooded backyard along a foot trail that she takes her horses on daily about 100 feet in, she stops us. Look down, she says. We see what appears to be a footprint, yet wider and longer than that of a human's. It was especially long, so whoever left the print must have slipped in the mud there were toe imprints as well. She then begins to tell us that this imprint was made by none other than a Sasquatch. While huddled around the imprint, she tells us how she got her house and then her second property across the street. Our Airbnb. You might think I'm crazy. But if I knew about their existence, I would have never had moved here. Do you want to see more? Of course, we, a group of four 20 something year olds, do, so Michelle takes us further down the path. At this point, I was feeling a bit uncertain about what was coming or about to happen. Hair stood up on my arms and I got the chills. I kid you not, seconds later, Michelle says to us right about this point here is where you might feel some chills or your hair sticking up. She was spot on here, and I was feeling very uneasy about going forward. Yet, we walk a little bit further down the path. They had asked me to bring you guys here, they wanted to say hello, Michelle told us. I've never brought any of my guests back here before but it seemed important to show this to you guys. We had no idea if we were going to see anything as it was getting darker and darker out. We stopped for some more conversation, when Michelle stopped us from talking. Shh. We didn't hear anything. We're all still quiet, when Michelle asks us something peculiar has any of you recently lost a brother? Or have any of you ever experienced psychic abilities? We all say no, it felt a little awkward and we moved on. We go to the last point in our walk and she was astonished she had laid some sticks down earlier in the day, and the arrangement of sticks had changed. They're always mischievous and like to move things around to mess with us, Michelle explained. She also was saying how she left a deceased chicken right at that spot and it was gone the Sasquatch people must have taken them. She said she often leaves them gifts, usually food, here, and they're gone before she knows it. At this point, I'm feeling skeptical about all of this. I'm not a believer, but I also didn't have any reason not to believe any of this. We were all quiet. Out of nowhere, we hear a noise far back into the woods. It sounded like an owl's hoot, but very, very far away. Michelle said, oh that's just an owl, but then she took it back when we heard the next noise. I can't recreate the noise in person, nor can I recreate it in my head but I'll do my best to describe it. It sounded like a monkey's -ah oo-oo-ah-ah mixed with the laugh of a hyena. Michelle assured us they meant no harm, and that was definitely them talking to us. She yells back in English to greet them, because they can understand our language as well. We head back to the Airbnb and talk about nothing other than our experience for no less than two hours, while drinking, of course. I'm with my best friends and one of them makes it their mission to go back into the woods to search for the Squatch himself. The other one tags along, but I stay back because I didn't really want much to do with it. They leave, and I go grab a joint to smoke out on the deck. It was silent nothing but me, the cabin, and the beautiful Washington State wilderness. Then I heard it again. The same owl hoot in the distance, followed by the eerie-sounding monkey noises. I was alone and stayed up another hour until my friends returned, and told them I had heard it again. Yet strangely, they didn't. Before I went to bed, I Googled something along the lines of Washington state creepy laugh animal and the first result was an article titled, Bigfoot or Animals? Hair raising sounds coming from a swamp on Indian reservation in Oregon. My friend Leon Brosnan and I, shared a deep love for fishing. We had heard about the exceptional fishing at Gear Lake, but unfortunately, there wasn't a public boat launch available. Nevertheless, we managed to secure permission to put our boat in the water on an early Wednesday afternoon after school. Both of us were eager to test our new head-on lures. I remember Leon teasing me for using a steel leader on my lure, but I insisted on it to prevent losing it even though he jokingly claimed that steel leaders were only for sharks. Leon mentioned that we were using a heavy test line, probably too heavy for the type of fishing one typically does in a landlocked lake. But we held on to our fantasy of hooking a 25-pound base, which made it all the more exciting. Little did I know that our fishing adventure would soon take an unexpected turn, and I would witness something I couldn't quite believe. As we cast our lines, I aimed my hook with the steel leader toward the northern edge of the serene lake, and our red and white bobbers rested undisturbed on the still water. We were growing a bit disheartened because we had gone through so much trouble to access the lake, yet we weren't getting any bites from any fish, not a bluegill, not a perch, nothing. We had brought along some bologna sandwiches and cokes, and as I turned around to grab our food and chat with Danny, I noticed a sudden change in his expression. My fishing pole jerked, then settled back. Leon's reaction was even more intense, and he couldn't stop exclaiming holy crap over and over. His eyes were wide with disbelief. It turned out that I had to reel in my line, only to discover that the steel leader had been bitten clean through. Leon held up the end of his paddle and described how he saw a massive mouth emerge over the top of the bobber, a mouth as big as the paddle itself. It had chomped down on the line and tugged at our canoe before finally breaking free. It was a colossal mouth covered in hair, and I could have sworn I saw eyes just before it slipped back beneath the water. Leon later confessed this extraordinary encounter to a Department of Natural Resources, DNR, representative. The DNR guide we spoke to afterwards suggested it might have been a garfish. However, Leon adamantly stated, I've been fishing my whole life and I've seen garfish. That was no garfish. As for me, I wish I had been the one to see it, but I couldn't get over how something had bitten through that steel leader. It must have had razor-sharp teeth or an incredibly powerful jaw. The following terrifying stories are from the files of the United States Park Service. January 4th to October 23, 1955. Distorted animals. A series of animals were found in distorted shapes. Their heads shaped like tumors and had extra eyes, mouths, legs, and sometimes organs. This became documented as a strange birth defects due to the environment. However things became worse and people were reporting that a creature that allegedly resembled a human stomach and intestines as legs was eating the birds and insects in the region. When they approached the foul-smelling heap and sprayed with a noxious and caustic substance that caused temporary blindness and skin irritation. However sightings of the visceral abomination became deadly when a forest ranger found human skeletons around the area and a yellowish substance was found on the bones. Their clothes were partly burned by a caustic juice and skin embedded in the fabric. On January 10, 1955, a man claimed to have seen a giant rat with large fangs and glowing red eyes and cloven feet. He estimated that it was the size of a goat and was chewing on a bird. He reported it to the forest rangers and told him he wasn't the only one who reported a giant rodent in the area. A couple was walking down a trail and stumbled upon a huge pile of animal bones and footprints of a three-toed creature were found near the site and a series of claw marks on the trees were found as well as skulls hanging from branches. A moment later the two heard blood-curdling screams from the forest. Missing persons. A couple named Gregory Dean and Francine Swartz was last seen alive in a remote area on the night of January 11, 1955 while hiking up a steep hill. Years later two skeletons were found in a patch of grass with petrified moss clinging to the bones identified as male and female. The autopsy report on the skeletons includes a highly corrosive acid digested them alive. However, there were no reports of anything that could cause such burns on the two. However, a tunnel was found large enough to have fit two people and a needle-like teeth seen strewn across the entrance of the tunnel. In February of 1955 a man named James Henderson went missing in the state park and was found infused to a tree as corpse mummified. His clothes and tendrils wrapped around his arms and legs. A green ooze dripped on the ground and that smelled like bile and rotten flesh. The tree cut down revealing a network of intestinal roots squirming around for nourishment and a wheezing sound was heard throughout the tree. In the trunk contained a huge amount of skulls and bones of both human and animal. Samples of the tree taken to a top secret base in the United States. On February 5, 1955, a park ranger named Andrew Lawson disappeared from the face of the earth when he separated from his group and years later his remains were found frozen in a deep lake. In the candle lake a man named Ethan Morgan disappeared and later was found barely alive and his hands were frozen. He somehow managed to have lost his way into the forest and stuck between a rock and a tree for 48 hours and climbed out of his prison. I live in El Paso, Texas, and back in 2007 I moved to the lower valley for about 7 months and lived in some very decent apartments. I was 16 at the time and it was before I figured myself out. I would get bullied a lot because I was the new kid, and because of this I would sneak out at night and walk around my apartment. Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany, and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion
0: tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together
1: visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work live and move to the uk
0: selling a little or a lot Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work, shopify.com slash work.
1: to clear my mind. I would always witness very strange things like a girl dressed in white, flashes of a man hanging from a tree, unexplained shadows and lights and much more. I wasn't the only one who would witness this. Everyone would, even my own family. But the one thing me and my family will never forget are the OWLS. A week before I moved from there my best friend, at the time, wanted to spend the night and spend as much time together before I moved back to central El Paso closer to Juarez and the city. Well, he ended up becoming ill and did not want to spend the night, so I walked him home. When I came back I laid on my couch and stared at my closed curtains. Outside there was a light. So if anyone would pass we would see the silhouette of the figure. As I laid on my couch I kept hearing this strange flapping of like wings of a bird. I didn't think much of it so I put my ears phones and listened to my iPod. I continued to stare at the window simply out of boredom and then something strange happened. I saw a huge bird fly right by the window and turned into a woman. The woman stood there as if it knew I could see her and as quickly as it happened she walked away. I could hear her footsteps disappearing into the empty staircase outside my apartment. For a long time I kept this to myself simply because I didn't want anyone to think I was crazy. 3 days before I moved out there was an owl on the tree where my window was, but I did not want to think much about it. So I simply walked in and proceeded with my night walk. The night before I left for El Paso, it happened again only a bit different. I saw the same thing I did before. Only this time she didn't stand. I saw the owl turn into a dark skinned woman and then sprint off as if she was running from something or as if she was scared or in danger. I obviously never went outside to see, mainly because I was little kid and scared out of my mind. So about 4 months after we moved my mother called us all into the living room for a talk. The conversations we had made me feel like I had my sanity back. I knew I was not crazy. My mother, my brother, and I had seen the same thing only at different times and places. My brother saw it from far away outside as he was walking home from a friend's house. He said he saw an owl turn into a woman and ran off into the field. My mother had experienced it many times as she came home from her late night shifts. Many times far away and others only feet away. I want to know if anyone has experienced these things with OWLS does anyone know any type of folk tales and myths and stuff about these creatures I wish to know more. I came across your channel and I was listening your podcast about the Chicago Wing humanoid sightings that you've investigated. I also noticed that there have been sightings reported in the Rockford, Illinois area. I had a strange incident occur a few years ago and I was wondering if you could give me your thoughts on it. Even though it's not a winged humanoid, it did involve an unexplained creature and a weird darkness. There are a few public hiking trails near my house in Northern Illinois and Winnebago County. Rock Cut State Park is very near me as well. I'm an amateur photographer and there were great opportunities to take nature photos. I was particularly interested in taking photos of songbirds and I would always see a greater variety on this trail. I don't know how many times I hiked that trail, but it had to have been several dozen. I never once felt anything strange there. But then again I always stayed on the trail. Once in a while, I would venture maybe 10 yards into the woods to get a good photo but that was it. A smaller trail split off from the main trail deep in the woods. You could tell it was definitely not part of the state park trail, but it had been well-traveled. I never saw anybody on it, but I rarely ever saw anybody else out there at all. My experience happened in late July 2021. I had just gotten off work and I wanted to get some photos in the evening light. So I headed out to my secluded trail. The sun sets about 9 p.m. in the summer so I had plenty of time after work to hike that trail and to be back to the car before dark. My hike seemed normal enough but when I got to that small trail I noticed that it was roped off. The park service had posted a sign that stated Hidden Falls area, erosion damage and to keep out. I should have heeded the sign but I wanted to see the waterfall for myself since it could be a good photo opportunity. So down the trail, I went. I went. I didn't notice any erosion damage on the way down but I had never been on that trail before so I didn't really have anything to compare it to. The trail led almost straight down and the foliage became denser. I could hear the waterfall well before I saw it. The forest suddenly opened up and there it was the hidden falls. It was almost magical, something straight out of a fairy tale. The evening sunlight pierced through the trees and lit up the falling water. I immediately pulled out my camera and began taking photos. I was only there for about 10 minutes when I heard laughing. It didn't sound exactly like a human voice though there was something off about it. I looked around and I couldn't see anybody else. I called out, but I didn't get a response. I started to pack up my camera, but when I heard the laugh again and this time it sounded like it was coming from the stream itself. I listened closer and I was certain it was at the stream. I stuffed my camera back into my bag and I wanted to get the hell out of there. But just as I stood up to leave it had suddenly gotten dark. I don't mean dark like the sun was setting, I mean dark like the middle of the night. I looked at my watch. It was 6.45 and I knew I had about 2 hours of sunlight left but it was dark. I could see stars through the gaps in the trees. I didn't know what was going on but I knew something wasn't right. I had to get myself back to the car as fast as I could. I got on the trail heading out and used my cell phone as a flashlight. As I climbed out I heard the laughing again, but this time it sounded like it was coming from the trees. So I aimed my light at the trees but I couldn't see anything. Then I caught it. A pair of eyes reflected back at me. They stared at me for a moment and then the laughing began again. I held the light towards the creature and it showed itself for just a moment. It ducked from beneath some branches and stood there in the light. It looked like a coyote standing about 30 feet up a tree. It looked at me, tilted its head, and it smiled, but not like a dog smile. I don't quite know how to describe it, but I knew it wasn't a coyote. As soon as it revealed itself it laughed again and I ran. I could barely see where I was going but I didn't care. I knew that I needed to get away. I have never felt such relief after I reached my vehicle. The sky was light again and it was as if nothing had happened. I have not gone back to the state park. I've never figured out just what that coyote or whatever actually was or what it wanted. I never made any inquiries since I had no plans to ever return. In 2015, my friends and I went to Mexico, Chiapas State, for a holiday. We rented out a bungalow with forest and stuff at the back. They went out to get more beer and just some shopping and I was left behind to have a shower. After yelling that they were going double lock the door, they leave. The shop was about a 15 minute walk away and I was literally just going to wash my hair, make tea, and watch some TV until they got back. About 5 minutes went by and I heard a knock on the front door. It was weird as my friends had keys to this apartment. I just guessed that they were too lazy to use the keys and forgot something. I literally got out of the shower with lather in my hair and was walking towards the door with a towel just wrapped around me. The door had a panel of textured glass in the middle and I could see this massive entity standing there. My friends and I are quite small in the guise of blonde hair. This thing looked big, tawny brown with spots, and was very tall. Whatever it was it was tapping on the door and I was standing at the entrance to the kitchen just peeking around the corner. I don't want it to see me and I slowly crouch down and crawl to the sofa. It's still tapping. After what seemed like ages it just walks off and the textured glass returns to normal. With nothing on the other side. My friends came back and one of the guys quickly opened the door and said, Oh my god. We were walking back and we turned the road where the room is right? And we see this massive thing. It looked like a hyena. That's all I can describe it as but only it was walking on two legs. At least someone else saw it. I told them about it coming to the door. He's still going on, yeah, and as we saw it, it started making a weird yelling and growling noise. I swear to you, it walked off on those two legs and into the forest. Do you have any idea what we may have seen? It was around 10 PM on January 3rd 2017, and I was riding around in my car with my girlfriend. We live in Lee County, Florida. We saw a lot of stars out in our neighborhood and we thought it was romantic, so I parked my car at the side of the road, opened the roof window, and stargazed. Then all of a sudden we heard an extremely loud bang that sounded like a gunshot, but it came from the sky. My girlfriend and I were startled. Then we looked up to the sky. And that's when things got weird. We saw a multicolored light of some sort, but it was streaking quickly across the sky. The sound got louder, and the situation didn't look too good so we tried to drive away, and that's when the impact occurred. The shock wave was intense and made my car, my girlfriend and I bounced probably a few inches off the ground. I asked my girlfriend if she was okay and she looked like she'd seen a ghost while staring at something behind me when I was faced in her direction. I turned around and saw a car-sized, shiny, metallic object smoking and stuck into the ground about three feet deep. We got out of the car to get a closer look and it seemed the object had individual little plates shifting and attaching to the other plates. I never felt so scared in my life. Then I realized it wasn't a meteor or any type of craft, it looked like technology, but nothing I'd ever seen before. The plates shifted to a kind of star shape but were still completely visible. My girlfriend screamed in fear when we both saw the entire structure melt into what looked like a black liquid. We ran to the car and I tried to start it but it wasn't working, it didn't even make a sound. We looked back at the object and it was growing taller but we didn't hear any noise from it. We jumped out of the car and ran as far as we could. We looked back only to see the object solidify into a giant, mechanical, metal humanoid figure. It turned around and quickly followed us down the road until we found the edge of the forest in our neighborhood. We climbed up a tree and hid there for about 7 or 8 minutes praying not to die while I was trying to calm myself and my girlfriend down. I was able to take a photograph while looking down at the humanoid. I've attached it to this email, above. The giant metal humanoid stopped looking around, so we both climbed down from the tree. I questioned reality that day. I know that this whole affair seems crazy, but it did happen. My mother and two brothers were at home on a ranch in Marathon County, Wisconsin in 1967. I was 8 years old at the time. I was a very active kid and did not nap at that time of day, but this day I was inclined to nap, as well as my brother. My mother recalls the door opening and felt someone approach her from behind but does not recall much else, or at least will not admit remembering. My father owned a cheese business and normally returned home at about 5 p.m., but this day he arrived at about 3.30 p.m. I awoke a few minutes before he arrived. He ran into the house shouting come out here look at this. A craft was disc shaped and hovering above a tree near our house. It was about 50 to 60 feet from the house and the tree was about 18 feet tall. It hovered there for a while, then it began to move over our vehicle and toward our driveway. My father told everyone to jump into the vehicle and we followed it out to the highway. Our driveway was about half mile long. When we approached the highway I could see my friend across the street and his father, they did not appear to see it. It matched our speed but was about 150 feet off the highway over a field. It seemed to disappear when we approached the forest, but when breaks in the forest or dips or valleys appeared on the terrain the craft had matched our speed and was still there. We followed the craft to the main highway into Wausau, Wisconsin and at that time it abruptly took a right angle turn and took off at a slight angle upward and quickly disappeared. It all seems so surreal looking back. My mom is willing to admit the event, but my dad is not so willing. The funny thing is he was excited at the time but did not want anyone to say anything and it seemed to be forgotten. I also recall round areas in the backyard where the grass was dark and the grass eventually died where the round spot was. been sailing off and on for about 7 years now, just about 20,000 nautical miles under my belt and have had some wild crazy things happen. Ship struck by lightning in the North Atlantic which fried most of the electronic nav equipment, though it didn't cause a fire thankfully and no one was injured. We were able to restore the GPS and were only a day from our next port. One time in the Caribbean we were almost boarded by lobster fishermen who pulled alongside us sometime during the 4-8 watch and started throwing lines onto our deck with no warning whatsoever. I was asleep when it started but the yelling woke me up pretty quick. I fish whenever time allows me. I'm land bound so it's not 100% relevant to your question but there still are creepy things that happen while fishing. To clarify I enjoy fishing to striped bass and since they are nocturnal, much of the fishing happens after sundown to sun up. Many times the water makes strange sounds and shapes against the pitch blackness of the night sky. Also any light source is said to spook fish. So most fishing is done in pitch blackness. I've been startled by other fishermen walking by but many will announce themselves when walking. But I have seen one fisherman who looks really old and never says anything wearing bright orange walk by many places at different places. Just walks by no fishing gear happened several times. Other people have seen him but no one knows who he is. Old timers say he's a ghost. Oh speaking of ghosts. There's man-made rock piers called jetties there's one here in new york that has a ghost of a child who died while fishing there on dark nights around 3 am you hear him whispering this is my spot and see a small figure near the tip hand lining a fish it happens often enough that on another forum of fishermen someone found a newspaper article from the 1800s showing a child die there fishing for food for his family but died most likely slipping on the jetty and falling in I've see crazy light shows which I believe are USOS. Or UFOS. Also seeing bright shooting stars is pretty awesome you seldom see in the city. Many times a thick fog comes over and you lose cell phone reception and can't see left from right or even five feet ahead. Can't hear or see. Very very scary every time. Being on a beach in darkness with fog. Not knowing which way is which. I always fear what might come out of the water. At night it just looks like a black blanket that's alive and shifting. But this adds to the fun of being out there. This will get buried and isn't necessarily along the lines of most stories. Back home a father and son went offshore to do some scuba diving, about 30 miles out. They were anchored and off the boat and both began to run out of oxygen so they started to head back to the boat, father leading son. When the father got back on the boat he turned around and the son was gone. Coast Guard was called and he was never found. The son was weighted down and possibly had cardiac arrest but there's never going to be a clear answer. He's just gone and no body was ever found. I come from a small coastal town and it was very common for people to enlist on ships, both my grandfather's, and my father did it, and a whole lot of other men did and do as well. One of my grandmother's friends was a local fisherman, he used to fish the fjords and whatnot with his boat. He used a trawling net connected to a winch to do it. Caught quite a lot. Well, one day he was out doing his usual route, the boat suddenly stopped going forwards, despite the engine still running. He thought that was odd, given how well he knows the area, but he figured he might have caught his net on some rocks or something, that he somehow didn't know was there after fishing there for a long time. He tried increasing the power, hoping to dislodge whatever held him in place, but that didn't work. He noticed that not only was he not going forwards, he was in point of fact going backwards, and picking up speed. So something was dragging his boat backwards faster than he could move forwards. He thought what the hell, is there a submarine under me or what is this? He's a very level-headed guy you see, doesn't panic easily. He tried to pull in his nets, but the nets didn't go up, his boat started to go down. At that point he really started to freak out, and cut the nets, and set course for home. Before he got far. A gigantic basking shark surfaced right next to the boat. He knew they're not dangerous to humans normally, but well, by the time he got back to town he was visibly shaking with fear. This is secondhand, so take it with a grain of salt. I've only done minor boating, but some of my gaming buddies are coasties. C.K. served as an intel officer on the U.S.C.G.C. Boutwell back when she was on the Bering Sea Patrol. He was on duty on comms on the night that the Arctic Rose went down back in 2001. 15 men went down with the Arctic Rose, and they only ever found one body the captain, and he wasn't even fully in his survival suit. It was the worst loss that has been suffered in those waters in this century. So about two years later, They're back on the MBL station, and this time, they're helping locate the wreck using an ROV, trying to gather some sense of what caused her to sink so fast. They're moving the ROV about, trying to get it below decks. My friend is watching the feed as the ROV is being piloted. In his words I saw a skeletal arm suddenly move across the video screen. I don't mean just floating remains it was moving in an animated fashion. Then we lost the feed. Officially, the ROV had got caught below deck in an obstacle that we were unable to extract it from. But unofficially? Every year, on the strait, Sedna takes her toll. Sometimes mild, sometimes heavy, but Sedna has her price for letting men fish those seas. Sedna keeps those whom she takes. Avid deep-sea fisherman here. I fish the east side of Florida quite a bit. We will go 25 to 100 miles out to fish reefs or structure on the bottom. We also troll quite a bit. One time we were trolling for kingfish and hooked up onto something massive on a downrigger. When I mean massive I mean huge. Whatever we had on was peeling drag like nothing. We figured we hooked into a porpoise until a mako about 8 to 10 feet long jumped around 30 yards from the boat. That shark jumped three more times until it frayed our leader enough to snap it. We never thought we would catch a mako that big, especially on the troll. We also find rafts all the time. We've found rafts made out of tires, PVC, foam, wood, and even four kayaks zip tied together with wooden planks tied to the top of them. Most of the rafts we find look like they have just been used also, which is pretty eerie. Another time on the west coast of Florida, I was spear fishing off a rig and the water was crystal clear. There was zero wind, so I could see pretty far in the water around the rig. Let me tell you, it's quite scary when you can just make out the shadow of a shark right, then it disappears in waters below. Most of the sharks we see around the rigs too are huge hammerheads. These hammerheads can get massive. I speared a mangrove snapper and one of these hammerheads came and ripped it right off my spear. This was moments right after I shot it, too. This happened yesterday when me and dad were alone at home, his room is in the third floor and mine in the second. He leaves every day after his afternoon lunch and leaves his room door open with the key on the inside of the door. When he comes back in the evening, we found out the door is closed and locked from the inside. We thought mom came and closed it but she said she didn't and she was at my aunt's all day. We started to freak out because this is beyond normal. The room has a toilet and windows to the roof. So I climbed and got to the room through the windows to find the door is really locked and the key is inside. There is no one that could sneak in from the windows because there was no one at home and we have a third floor house so no one can go inside if it is not from the main door. Does anyone have any explications to this? Okay so one night my husband came into our bedroom where I was already sleeping. When he opened the door, our room was dark, but he was able to see an even darker mist floating either right next to me or over me. He said it rushed by him, out the door and dissipated. That's happened three times now. We have a lot of paranormal activity wherever we live. It doesn't really matter where. Nothing right now feels negative in any way, mostly just bored I think. Anyway. Has anyone had any experience with a black mist hovering around them while they sleep or could just know what it is? I would like to add that I've been calling my spirit guides, I'd have been when this was happening so it could be that. I don't have a clue and would greatly appreciate any insight. Thanks in advance. I've lived in the house I'm in since I was a child my parents bought the home in 2006-2007 to 2007 from an elderly man who inherited the property from his brother when he passed. The brother wanted nothing to do with the house so he sold it to my mother for cheap. I've had the ability to sense energies and see spirits from a young age and this house has always just given me an icky feeling, but it's always been home. Since we first moved and I complained to my mother that there was a ghost with scary hands that would mess with me at night in my bedroom now my son's toy room when my little brother was about two to three years old he started to tell my parents that he was seeing monsters one morning he and my mother were in the bathroom brushing their teeth and getting ready for the day as they both saw the figure of a man walk out of what is now my son's toy room down the hallway and into the living room where the figure just vanished now This is just one of the many encounters that had happened while they still lived here with me and much more has happened since but for the purpose of trying to keep this as short as possible, I'll leave those out. Fast forward to now, I still have been seeing shadows peep around the corners in my hallway and just feeling an overall just feeling like someone has been watching me. My son is the same age my little brother was when he had started telling my parents that he was seeing monsters in the house. About a week ago, my son ran into my bedroom in tears saying that he saw a monster with scary hands and it all sounded too familiar. The house has been saged multiple times, probably more than I can count and while it does seem to slow down the activity for a bit, whatever it is always seems to come back. It's nothing of ill intent from what I've been able to tell, it just wants to let me know that it's here. I'm tired of feeling uncomfortable in my own home and I'm even more tired of my son being antagonized by it. If anyone can give me any advice as to how I can get this thing out, please 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 help me out. I was once at a friend's house a long while ago, you couldn't really call it a party but there were a few people there and it was a social setting. A gathering may be a better term. I'm not good at these things and never have been, the effort I have to go to, to maintain my social graces is quite exhausting for me the majority of time so I tend to avoid them. I would have been around 19 at the time, there were around 8 maybe 9 people there, and it was a mixture of men and women. I guess we've all been to them at one time or another. One of the women that was there was kind of new agey, believed in the goddess, crystal healing, all that stuff which I'm not rubbishing but in the 90s to some this was a fad. So was the night wound on she suggested that we did in Ouija board. Now I may or may not have mentioned this before but I'm third generation Romani, and I was brought up in a family that respected the old ways. Now if you know you kind of know what I'm talking about with that, so in this kind of situation I'm heading for the door. My friend whose party it was stopped me and kind of placated me, Told me I was being silly and he actually did rubbish what this woman believed and said it was a joke. So I stayed. It was as it turned out a mistake. All around in a lot of respects. I was sat at a distance from the table where they were convened. She was sat with a planchette asking if there was anyone there, people were smirking and generally just disrespecting the entire thing. She kept asking for signs or if anyone was there and that's when I started feeling uncomfortable. You ever get the feeling you're being watched? Or followed? It's like that, like an itch behind your eyes, your scalp tingles and you get a feeling like you need to be moving. It's an instinct bred and hardwired into you over thousands of years and generations. And then the planchette starts moving and she's smiling and all happy that it works and she doesn't look like a clown. So then they start asking simple questions, will I be rich? will I be famous, answers are all no, nothing unexpected. Till a guy asks if he will be married, then it spells out never. So he asks why. It spells out die young. All of a sudden things take a turn. I tell her to put it down and send it back, she didn't understand what I was telling her to do and the damn thing is spelling car accident. He laughs it all off and goes and stands in the kitchen and in the meantime one of the women asks if she will have kids it spells out never. Now my instinct is telling me to leave, and I'm listening to it. I go and grab my coat and as I'm leaving the woman doing the board calls out, your granddad has a message for you. I stopped. Walked back in and calmly said to her, you have no idea what you're doing, you're a child with a box of matches, and whatever is talking to you is not my granddad. I smashed the board off the table and stormed out. In the years that passed the guy was killed in a car accident with 3 other people, he was 23. The woman never did have children, and some of the other things, mainly the malicious shit did come to pass. I don't know what it was that stupid woman called into that flat that night was, but what I will say is this. Don't play with things that call out to the dead. And if you do, make sure that what you call was human once because you never can be too careful that message from my granddad, I never did hear it. And the woman that did the board, I never did see her again. Okay I'm come here because something happened to me literally seconds ago and I'm very disturbed. I hope you guys can give me some recommendations. So it is like this. I waked up at 2 am and I couldn't sleep. Sorry for my bad English. Then I stayed awake more and less to 4 am with cell phone. After that at 4:14 more and less I tried to sleep. I open up my eyes then see a face what was all grey with white eyes and it had horns. I was thinking what was it and after I watched that for seconds my heart beat harder. My legs and arms moved in fear and the thing was watching me. I was started to get a distorted and creepy voice, after that him closes my eyes. Stage, you know praying for God then I open it up again there was nothing. Any explanation or recommendations you guys can give me. Sorry for my bad English.